Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston and Wayne Shepard talk about how to give your teen consequences without the added guilt and shame. You know, there's a way to make teens feel guilty, and there's a way to make teens feel shame. And that's mm. what we're going to be talking about today. You know, you can you can discipline your child and enforce consequences, and, and it can be very productive. But, you know, you can do it in a way that becomes very counterproductive mm-hmm. and works directly against what you're trying to accomplished through the enforcement of consequences. And I tell people all the time, I believe in consequences. Amen. (laughs) I do not believe in shame. That's right. All right, Mark, as we talk about parenting our teens, it's really important that we define what we mean by guilt and by shame. They're two different things. That's right. You know, Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines guilt as having committed a breach of conduct. It's the state of one who has committed an offense, especially consciously. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it's really the result of something that's inappropriate, so you feel guilty. Kids know when they've done something wrong. Parents remind them when they've done something wrong. I know when I've done something That's wrong. That's right. And they feel bad. They go, oh, I just, I blew it. I, I, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. I don't want to do that again. I shouldn't walk along that path. And I think we as parents have got to enforce consequences to rules and boundaries that we place before kids so that it helps them walk along a good path. Mm -hmm. And they are the ones, because they chose to walk outside of the path that we designed for them, they chose the consequences. And so that's why we've got to enforce the consequences. If we don't, then they learn that there are no consequences and they quit feeling guilty about things that they do wrong. And that's where a parent might say, my child has lost his conscience about doing things wrong. Well, that's how. You quit enforcing those things. So consequences are perfect. They've got to be appropriate, age appropriate. They've got to be in line. They can't be destructive. They've got to be productive. But it's got to be something that a child chooses when they choose to follow a path that has a consequence to it. So when you define guilt that way, it's healthy, isn't it? It is healthy. It's a feeling of wrongdoing. I've done something wrong. I have this feeling about it. There is something very good about the guilt that comes along with inappropriate behavior. All right. That's definition number one. Let's define shame. Shame. Merriam-Webster would say this, that the painful emotion caused by a consciousness of guilt shortcoming or impropriety, a condition of humiliating disgrace. I would say this, guilt is the feeling of wrongdoing. Shame is the feeling that there's something wrong with me. With me, yeah. And you see, if you let a child continue in their shame, they move to self-contempt. And self-contempt is this, I'm such a jerk. I can never do anything right. There's something wrong with me. I'm terrible. I'm awful. I'm miserable. Nobody likes me. I think I'll go eat some worms. I mean, and and you let that play out at a seventh grade level and an eighth grade and a ninth grade. And then what a child does is begin to medicate for that in some way or engage in some ways to overcome those things. So now that that little snowball of shame that I started in the seventh grade is now at 
an avalanche when they get to be a senior in high school and they're living their life around overcoming that shame. And and when somebody tells them, you know, people are miserable people, they're saying, oh, I am a miserable mm. person. I'm Sa- an awful person. Sadly, it's true. You, you see this in teens, don't oh, you? Oh, I do all the time. It's a progression. And so when you shame a child and make them feel like there's something wrong with you, I mean, when parents look at a kid and go, what's wrong with you? I can't believe, I can't believe that you would ever do something like that. Now, have... I ever said that? <laughs> yes. Has every parent said that? Mm-hmm. Probably. It's a shaming statement. I can't believe you're such a klutz. I can't believe that you act that way. I can't believe those are shaming statements rather than saying, sweetheart, you can't dress that way. I, I just don't feel comfortable with that. As opposed to saying, when you dress that way, you look like a, and you can fill in the blank. Mm. That's a shaming statement as opposed to saying, I don't feel comfortable with that. I'm not, I just don't think that's in line with how we want to live. No, these are the house rules. That's how they're going to be. You approach it differently. And so when even consequences come, you allow consequences to have their full effect on a child, but not shaming them. I can build up a child. I can build up a child by allowing consequences to happen in their life and then affirming my relationship with them, preventing them from moving to shame. When they say, oh, I'm a bad person, I usually say, no, no, you're not a bad person. You just made a mistake. Well, no, there's something wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. You're pretty normal, but you can't do it. Well, I want to smoke dope all the time. I don't blame you. I would too if I went through the situation that you're in, but Mm. you can't do that because it will take you to a place that you don't want to end up. No parent sets out wanting to be a shame-based parent and wanting to demean our kids and to tear them down. We just sort of fall into that pattern, don't we? I think so. I think we do that through anger. When we're mad, we say things that perhaps don't need to be said. Perhaps we're sarcastic. If we pick up a sarcastic style of engaging with our child, those are cutting remarks. But you know, idle words have a way of of just cutting deep. That old belief that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Mm -hmm. That's not true. Words that are said, when somebody looked at me and said, you are so stupid, it, it changed the way that I perceived myself. And so I thought, well, I'm never going to get there with grades, so I better get there through my ability to talk. And so I started talking different things. What's amazing to me, one of our board members was joking with me, and he said, Mark's not near as stupid as he looks. <laughs> and I thought it, thought it was funny, but then it brought back something that was said to oh, me when yeah. I was in the sixth grade. Sure. And I went, wait a minute. Huh. Somebody just said I was stupid. Mm. You know, and, and it's amazing to me how shame-based comments stick with kids all their life. And so what they do is they have this little shame magnet. And every time something is said out there that is shameful, it connects to their magnet. And it just reaffirms yep. that there's right something there. wrong with mm-hmm. them. Now, I'm not talking about somebody not believing that there's not anything wrong with them. I think we're all in need of a savior. But, you know, so I know I'm imperfect, but I know at the same time, you know, I have been made worthy 
and somebody has given up a life for me for a purpose because I am worthy of that. When you stop and think about it, nothing is going to stunt the maturity of our teens any more than this shame-based approach. It is. It's looking at a child and cutting them down to such a point that they're never going to recover from it. Sure. You know, it's easy to see it when you when you stop and analyze it. It really is. There's a, there's a man that came to one of our retreats, and he stood up and he said, a teacher told me a long time ago, if you had as much brains as you did fat, maybe you'll make something of yourself. And I sat there and I thought, I have never heard of a more shameful comment that can be made to a kid that is so inappropriate. And I I get on my high horse on this and and start meddling a little bit. But I, I... it accentuates what I was saying, that that statement has stuck with this man till he's 45 years old. And his that. comment was this, I've been trying to prove that wrong all my life. Mm. But you can see how it would have that effect, lifelong effect on someone. Absolutely. You know, uh, what a teacher was trying to do was to motivate a child. and, and Probably I Probably in a moment of frustration. That's right. But there's a way to motivate that it's productive. And there's a way to motivate that it's counterproductive. And I don't think people are really intentional about how they do that. But I think it's wise to stand back sometimes and ask the question. Scripture states, Lord, search me. Look at my heart and see if there's any hurtful way in me. And what I have got to do is look at my life and say, is the way that I enforce consequences to get across what I want to get across being productive? Or is one of my hurtful ways being shameful in the way that I pursue my kids? If you're a parent of a teen, you know that today's teenagers live in a different world than the one you were raised in. That means your style of parenting needs to be very different too. Too many parents parent their teens with principles that come across as authoritarian or judgmental. And such styles just aren't effective anymore. There is a better way, one that helps parents and their teens thrive together in today's culture. In the nine-week video course, Tough Guys and Drama Queens, Mark Gregston will give you a new vision of the sort of role they could play in the life of their teens and help them understand the world through the eyes of their children. This course comes with a facilitator's book, a copy of Mark's Tough Guys and Drama Queens book, and a participant's guide. There's even questions at the end of each lesson to help provoke discussion in case you want to go through the course with your friends, neighbors, or church group. You can order the Tough Guys and Drama Queens curriculum series by visiting ParentingTeenResources.com. Mark, I think this may have been quite revealing for some parents listening today of uh, just what we're doing. Maybe we didn't realize what we were doing with our kids. You know, I think I believe that to be true. I don't think parents really intend to shame or place guilt on their kids. I mean, guilt is inherent and shame is almost inherent. I mean, they feel that already. But our point is saying, you know, moms and dads, what you have to do is spend a little bit more time being intentional about coming alongside your child and not shaming them. Mm-hmm. You don't want your kids thinking of things that you told them when they were in the fifth or sixth grade, and they can still remember that when they're 45 years old, ways that they were shamed, ways that they were told that they were so wrong and so pathetic, and they would have disappointed everybody, that you set into motion some very negative things and negate all the great things that you have done in the life of your child. 
In this context, I'd like to share an email that we received from a listener, and uh, this is an anonymous one, of course, but it says, my daughter connected with a boy that introduced her to marijuana. She was one that never got in trouble. Straight-A student, very compliant. She attended a Christian school until she was a freshman in high school and then transitioned to a public school. To be honest, the newfound rebellion was a shock to us, and we overreacted in the discipline and grounded her pretty hard. She continued to make bad choices, and we confronted her verbally, expressing disappointment. Tears were shed, anger expressed, and shame distributed. There you go. That night, she took a bottle of aspirin and attempted suicide. She was placed in a day treatment program and completed the program, confronting the issues of people pleasing, feeling pressure from mom and dad to be perfect, and wrestling with her relationship with her mother the most. She just seemed to spiral downhill from there. She'll be 18 soon, and we want to help her in any way we can. Boy, those are tough, tough situations. I mean, when you have a child that gets introduced to something, perhaps the the way that we think that we're supposed to handle it is to immediately squelch, is to scare them out of it, is to shut down their world. Yeah, protective mode. Protective mode, and you just eliminate everything else, and you find that that doesn't always work. There was a man who came to me a few weeks ago, and he said, "Um, my daughter's been grounded for almost two years. And I said, then why are you meeting with me? And he goes... Uh, well, I mean, she's still getting into trouble. And I said, well, then is it working for you? Yeah, how's I that mean, working? <laughs> is, is, it, is it working? I mean, is, <laughs> is all the grounding really working? And so I met with this young lady, and, and she began to just share how the grounding was so intentional, um, shameful, guilt-ridden because mom and dad would make comments about her being grounded, would make fun of her, would be sarcastic to friends. And so she sat at home and all she did was take it all in. Mm -hmm. And she was shamed. I mean, she was absolutely shamed. And so what she wanted to do, whenever she had the opportunity, she would find a way to go out and make something of herself. If they're going to do that, they're going to do it in any way possible. I may as well. What, what, what have I got to lose? That's right? right. If I'm such a bad person, then I'll follow that. But, you know, I find that kids, noting this email that you just read, that when somebody introduces them to marijuana, a kid will move towards marijuana and, and smoking dope to find relief for things. Mm-hmm. And so I always caution parents, look at the intensity of your home. Is what you're requiring... And what this culture pushes our kids to, are, are your teens finding a refreshment within your home? Are they finding something that's a little bit more intense and cutting? You know, if your child fails and falls in this culture that is trying to influence them in so many ways, how are you responding to that? The way that you respond will determine the length of time that your child is in this darkness and will also determine the type of relationship that you have with them. Now, I'm talking about when your child comes home drunk, how do you engage with your child? Because they're drinking for a reason. There's some other reason going on. And it's not, you're so stupid, I can't believe you do this. You violated everything. You are a pathetic mess. You will never do this. This will never get you to the right. Those are shaming statements. And somebody goes, well, aren't they true? Well, they might be true. But I'm not so sure that we want the truth spilled it yeah. in those ways, as opposed to walking alongside our child and go, hey, we need to spend some time together. you got to sense the time and the yeah, season, don't you? Yeah. That something's not working, and we need to talk because I can't allow you to continue to walk this path. 
In just the minute or so we have left, can we review what what's the principle that we need to take away from today's program? Well, you know, I, I think it's this, Wayne, that that guilt is a feeling of wrongdoing. And and if we've done a good job as a parent, as most parents have, your kids already feel that. Let there be natural consequences that you've already lined out for those wrongdoings and leave it alone. Let those consequences speak loudly. And the other part of it is, is the shaming that we have a tendency to do without knowing it. And that is making our kids feel like there's something wrong with them. And so they'll feel like they can never measure up. We've just got to review the way that we engage with our kids and back up a little bit and hopefully use gentle words and encouraging words with them rather than that shaming when they make a mistake. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, visit parentingtodaysteens.org. And to learn more about Heartlight, visit heartlightministries.org. If this podcast has been helpful to your family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.